Hello and welcome to the C21 podcast. My name's Jonathan Webdale. We hope you're safe and well wherever you may be. In this episode, Sarah Lazaridis, partner at UK media law firm Harbottle and Lewis, offers her thoughts on new guidelines released this week aimed at getting the UK production sector up and running again. Rob Shaftel, founder and executive producer at Hit and Run, discusses the measures the US Indies putting in place to ensure it's best place to return to production as soon as possible. But first, BBC Children's Head of Content Cheryl Taylor and Head of Discovery Stu Rowson discuss how the UK public service broadcaster has responded to the COVID-19 crisis, upping focus on educational programming designed to help homeschooling parents, fast-tracking the launch of on-demand service iPlayer Kids and enrolling actor Tom Hardy to tell some bedtime stories. Here's Cheryl and Stu talking to C21 Kids editor Nico Franks. The first thing to say is that we were really blown away, actually, by the alacrity with which both producers and a lot of our key talent got in touch almost immediately that lockdown was announced because they were so keen to help. And I think straight away we realised that in terms of you know our big names and some of our key role models, it was really important to try and get as many of them working as quickly as possible because reassurance for our audience, especially obviously preschoolers and the younger end of CBBC was was really important. Across the board, people were getting in touch individually and saying, you know, we really want to help. And so I think, you know, that initial couple of weeks, we wanted to have reassuring content, as I say, content that was fun. Also, we wanted to make sure that the kids were informed. And I think the Operation Ouch team, I mean, they turned around what's been an extraordinary COVID special called Virus Alert that's currently on the iPlayer. And we've all of us been astounded by the depth of the information that they've they're given the 6 to 12s in that special. And a lot of parents have contacted us to say how amazing it was. And it essential viewing for parents as well as for children. So yeah, so across the board, a quick response from the talent and I say different indies and in-house producers as well. And in terms of how you've been launching those shows, you mentioned the Operation Out series being on iPlayer. So has that been the kind of main focus um, while the CBBC and CBBC's schedules have have kept more or less the same? One of the things that, that we did very early on is obviously once it became clear that schools were going to close and that we were going to go into lockdown is we effectively rushed through our plans to bring forward the, the kids version of iPlayer that you'll have seen on the smart TVs. That, that's been a, a, a real success for us. Um, and as Cheryl says, you know, just sort of maintaining that, that sense of almost a responsibility that we have to inform kids in such a safe way and the get well soon ideas and what Operation Ouch have done have been uh, phenomenal examples of that. And also just on iPlayer, we've seen a huge surge of audience. So strangely, I think that the CBBC TV channel and the CBBC TV channel has maintained its kind of performance. It hasn't massively gone up or massively dipped, but we've seen a huge surge in audience from iPlayer. So the fact that kids are, are now available and have got the ability to to choose in a in a way that they haven't before because they you know they weren't in school. We've also seen that sort of viewing even out across the day in patterns that you'd expect. So you know suddenly kids aren't really watching telly before nine o'clock unless they're young enough to be up. Um, but viewing it has been really high throughout the day on iPlayer. And, and some weeks on iPlayer we, we've seen it up by 50% uh, and program requests up around 
around sort of 80 and 90 percent year on year so an incredible amount of viewing and obviously some of the the impacts of Cheryl's world of commissioning um, obviously Cheryl's done these very fast turnaround commissions but we were still getting some of our huge shows that had been due to deliver anyway so it's not like all of that work kind of had to stop so we we did bring forward the launch of Mallory Towers very quickly once we knew that the schools had closed so originally we'd sort of put that forward for an Easter launch when kids were due to be off we brought it forward three or four weeks um, and it's been one of the um, I think the commissioning successes of this year doing upwards of sort of a million requests some weeks on iPlayer um, and there's just been an, a huge increase right across the board on all of our online content really in our online platforms. Have you been seeing a demand for that kind of more escapist content alongside what you'd maybe expect to, to see for the new commissions that are more COVID related? I think it's interesting in terms of what we can shoot at the moment. Obviously, the factual and the fact dent has been a lot easier to turn around. It's the dramas and sketch shows and comedies that have really suffered because of the nature of their production. So, you know, we've got, it's very interesting because obviously, some things are restrictive, although the Bedtime Stories guys played a blinder going down to shoot five stories with Tom Hardy by carefully distancing themselves in his garden. And interestingly, although lots of these shows are restricted, to some degree, there are some areas where being in lockdown can be a benefit. So in-house, I've got a great show called Best supply teacher in the world and of course because a lot of the big names that they've approached are stuck at home with their families they've had a really big um, take-up rate which I suspect might be larger than had they kind of addressed these people during normal times business as usual so unfortunately we can't tell you who they are at the moment because I think it's going to be announced next week but a really massive array of, mm -hmm. of fantastic supply teachers who are going to talk to the kids about their favorite subjects I think it's been a real moment for us right across BBC Children's and also our, our colleagues in education where the, those three BBC principles have really come to the fore. So, you know, inform, educate and entertain. And, and, and Cheryl was talking there about what we've done around COVID and just telling kids about that. We, we've seen record audiences in Newsround online. So last week or the week before, sort of middle of May, we had 1.7 million users to the Newsround website. That site was getting three or 400,000 18 months ago. So it was already enjoying exponential growth. It's now sort of had a huge leg up during during this time. You know, and you, you look at the amount of entertainment that we've done with, with kids with the brilliant shows at Girls Commission that we've put out through iPlayer and then our colleagues in education with the education service and you know that as well as the, the huge offer that they've done on the Bite Size website we've also used the, the new kids landing page on iPlayer to really offer a, a, a platform for all of those lessons which you know some of them are featuring the likes of David Attenborough and Brian Cox so it, it, it's probably the BBC principles writ large for everything we do in a way that we've never done before. As we look to come out of lockdown you know slowly and obviously the great unknown is is when kids will go back to school here in the UK. It's a big conversation, very divisive at the moment. How is that going to change what productions you're able to restart that may have had to shut down during the lockdown and what you're able to commission as well? I think it's going to be relatively slow progress. We know that production guidelines are hopefully going to be issued this week for BBC productions. Obviously, for us in the kids area, there are a few different things to think about. I think the, com the more complex shoots, as I mentioned previously, the dramas and the comedies, you know, especially the ones that are using kids in terms of the casting, I think that's a big unknown. 
even if we can simplify scripts and arrange for sketches or, or different scenes to be shot in a, a sort of socially isolated way. What we can't anticipate, for example, is if the parents of some of our child um, cast will actually want them to be involved, even if it's a returning series. So I think that's quite a big question mark. And then the other thing I'm worried about is if you have got a lot of children involved, if you're looking at some of our returning series that have 12 or 13 episodes, if everything's taking longer because we are being responsible the way we're shooting them, that's an, an awful burden to put on, on anyone, let alone a kid. So what I'm anticipating over the next few weeks as people work out when they could start and how they could start, I suspect that people will be contacting contacting us and talking about reduced volume and saying look we you know it would be easier for us you can get this title perhaps this year this production year but rather than 13 eps it's more likely to be seven or eight eps and i think that's something that even looking forward to next year it would be worth us thinking about in terms of of the slate and these production schedules because my instinct is it'll be easier to for people to shoot less um, to maintain quality um, and of course, we will help people in as much as we can, because I'd rather, obviously, that they were working, but also that our audience, you know, get a glimpse at least of their favourite titles, um, rather than us cancelling wholesale for, you know, possibly 12 months. Acquisitions of dramas that have already been made, is that high up on the agenda as well now? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, as you know, um, in terms of our service license, uh, we've got various quotas that we're meant to hit, but I believe that Ofcom are going to be very understanding. It's likely we won't hit our targets, certainly for this year. And I suspect that all of these production issues will impact our quotas for next year as well. So yes, we are looking at acquiring more. The other thing that's happened is that our business affairs teams and our planning teams have been working around the clock looking at obviously relicensing kind of old favorites especially the dramas that have done well in the last kind of five to ten years and that's for both preschool and for cbbc so there's a lot of work going on with the execs as well viewing all of these things and making sure that from an editorial point of view they're all fine as well it's a very busy time and uh, just finally, so it's all changed at the BBC with the new director general likely to be installed by the end of the year. And then obviously a new boss at BBC Children's, Patricia Hidalgo, coming over from Turner Kids. In terms of kind of the, the main things on Patricia's to-do list at BBC Children's, what do you expect those to be? Really looking forward to, to hear sort of, if you like, almost an external take on what we do in the BBC, because I think it's a, it's a wonderful place to be, but it's always nice to get a pair of fresh eyes and some fresh ideas. And I think even without COVID, whoever was going to succeed Alice Webb as the director was coming into, I think, a division full of amazing people delivering amazing things. But, you know, the long-term future of some of our iPlayer and how do we drive the audience over, over more to that and what do we do in that space? How do... Does our digital transformation continue to happen? You know, we've got four amazing CBeebies apps that sort of reach one out of every five of, of preschoolers. Can we increase that? What do we do with Newsround? I think it's quite an exciting job to take on at a really exciting time. And I just want to, I want to hear ideas, you know. I think it's always good to get fresh ideas because it keeps you on your toes. Just very briefly, I would add, you know, what Patricia has already articulated is that she's really keen to work in a public service environment. And obviously... One of the things in lockdown that we've been so delighted about is, as Stu's mentioned, the massive leap in figures for iPlayer. So we know 
that when kids come to our content, they really love it. And I think, you know, for me, in what is such a competitive landscape, now just talking to Patricia about how she sees our visibility and how we can make a splash in a world where for example you know over 30 million kids tune in to watch a virtual Travis Scott playing a concert in Fortnite or a billion kids sign up to participate in TikTok how can the amazing public service content that BBC Children's makes make more impact and be more visible BBC Children's Cheryl Taylor and Stu Rowson. UK broadcasters the BBC, ITV, Channel 4, Sky and more earlier this week released a set of industry guidelines designed to get TV production up and running again in the territory. Viacom's Channel 5, STV, ITN and Trade Bodies Pact and Cobra are also on board the coronavirus safety framework published with endorsement from government to supplement protocols from the British Film Commission. Sarah Lazaridis, partner at UK media law firm Harbottle & Lewis, spoke to C21 editorial director Ed Waller about these and how London could benefit as a shooting location once production resumes, plus the legal status of so-called COVID waivers. Well, it's clearly been a very challenging time for the industry. Aside from work that can be carried out entirely remotely, for example, editing, animation, some aspects of casting, production work has virtually ground to a halt. Broadcasters and distributors have been hugely impacted by late and non-deliveries and our studios and exhibitors have had to defer plan releases or consider other models such as early online releases. Uh, so it's fair to say that our film and television clients have been pretty significantly impacted. It's not all bad news. Clients have thrown themselves into development. The squeeze on the theatre industry has seen some theatre talent considering a transition into film and TV, which is a very interesting thing. And we've seen a lot of entrepreneurship. Uh, for example, our client Global Citizens staging of the Together at Home concert on major channels and streamers worldwide would never have happened if it hadn't been for the lockdown. Has there been any real difference in the impact of the lockdown regionally, different countries in the UK, Europe or the US? No, I mean, it's really interesting just through the, the global nature of it. Um, with extremely limited exceptions, productions have ceased everywhere. I think there's probably some recognition that when we do start again, talent might be most comfortable with filming in areas that they're familiar with. And outside of the US, that clearly puts London and the UK in a good position. Are we at the stage where production companies are going to have to cease operations or fold completely? I don't think we're at that stage. Production companies have been making use of the government schemes like furloughing to bring their spend down. There's been some brilliant industry support and most producers have enough going across the board to keep operating. Broadcasters and distributors are still doing output deals and we're seeing production companies use other models to ensure some shorter term stability. For example, transferring profit participations in successful shows to financiers. What are the legal issues that producers should bear in mind if they're under production freeze? So legally, there was an immediate focus on force majeure provisions as productions were trying to ascertain whether they could still work and whether they should suspend. And there was a process of analysing the options and the union implications, for example, of suspending cast. We've spent a lot of time helping clients to mitigate the costs of existing agreements, such as locations, studio and equipment rentals. And clearly furloughing has been very widely taken up. So a lot of advice has been given in terms of getting that right. Now there's a focus on resuming productions and how that might look legally. Uh, we've advised extensively on issues that have surrounded the resumption of work. 
And this has ranged from the obvious, uh, like the legalities of requiring temperature checks and other medical interventions on set, for example, to the more subtle, such as the GDPR implications of gathering and retaining quite a lot of health data about individuals. We've been asked to advise on to the extent to which COVID waivers could be used to protect producers. And we've been looking again at union agreements and taking people out of suspension where scheduling conflicts may have started to become an issue. What will the risk of future lockdowns mean for TV production? It will mean that production will not resume again in the more traditional way for some time, if ever. For the foreseeable future, there's going to be enhanced health and safety measures, changes to things like catering functions and adjustments to cope with things like quarantining on entry to the UK. We'll definitely see more outside location heavy shooting, more shooting with small crew, fewer dailies and fewer extras. And that will probably lead to a more heavy use of VFX to compensate for some of those limitations. How would all this impact insurance for productions and and agreements between producers and commissioners? Insurance is clearly a key issue at the moment, probably the biggest issue in the indie space. Insurers are generally unwilling to underwrite against COVID-19 related risks, so they're likely to remain uninsurable unless packed successful in persuading the government that they should be underwritten by the government. In the next few days, hopefully, we'll have a formal BFC-led protocol in place for safe working on set. So the hope is that insurers and bond companies will be more willing to extend insurance cover where correct measures have been taken. Where this doesn't happen, the industry may have to learn to adapt to this in the same way that terrorism is now a generally uninsured category of risk. So the key will be willingness and cooperativeness from financiers and broadcasters and the insurance companies. So it's definitely a bit of a watch this space. Sarah, there's been some statements from the government about returning to TV production. Can you talk us through those, please? Yeah. So after the announcement on Sunday, um, the government was asked to clarify whether film and television productions could start again. And they have actually now confirmed that if the appropriate social distancing measures are in place, then film and television production can start again. This is obviously great news for the industry, but equally it's a baby step because the reality is that, particularly on the large and complex productions, it's going to take a lot of planning to be in a position where productions actually can start again in a meaningful socially distanced way and taking all the necessary precautions. How does this downturn compare to previous ones and what lessons can be learned from the past? I think the good thing is that we have a thriving film and TV industry in the UK and there's a huge appetite to get back up and running again as soon as possible. It's not going to be straightforward and working practices are going to need to change across the board. But everyone's in desperate need for content, so we will get back to where we were. In terms of lessons learned, I think we'll see some positive change as a result of the virus. For example, the BFC protocol places a focus on crew mental health, which is a very good thing. And the outbreak will also lead to a change in which uh, intimate and nude scenes will be filmed, which I think is very timely. I think everyone has learned that some things can be done remotely and this could ultimately lead to a better work-life balance for some crew. And more specifically, we've all seen force majeure and suspension provisions tested to the absolute max and some issues have become clear. So I think that industry-wide will see a lot more focus on trying to make sure that these provisions are fit for purpose and work better in the future, particularly given the risks of a second uh, wave. So Sarah, we've heard a lot about COVID waivers. Do you want to talk us through what they actually are? The idea came from the US where employment laws and health and safety laws are slightly different. 
but the idea is that the producers would generate a document that cast and crew would be asked to sign that acknowledged that if they contracted coronavirus during the course of production that this wouldn't be due to the producer and that the producer would not be liable for any resulting health issues because this has been raised in the US and it is being actively considered uh, it's something that a lot of producers have asked us about and again this is a slight watch this space issue but we would urge some caution in the UK it's not possible to disclaim or limit your liability for death or personal injury that's caused through negligence Uh, so ultimately this a, a waiver even if it was issued would not be sufficient to cover any issues with health and safety protocols it's very much the case that the health and safety protocols need to be in place they need to be rigidly followed and the waivers are only really going to have limited utility where the producer was doing everything right. And just lastly, how are you advising your clients about the way forward? Well, given the government has now confirmed that film and television productions can start again with appropriate measures in place, we're focusing on those appropriate measures and we're continuing our work in equipping our clients with the best tools to get up and running again, both smoothly and safely. Sarah Lazaridis from Harbottle and Lewis. Rob Shaftel is a former Left Field Pictures and ITV Studios America development exec who set up his own New York-based independent unscripted production company Hit and Run four years ago. The firm's behind series for the likes of Nat Geo, Discovery and Animal Planet. He told C21 News and Factual Editor Clive Whittingham he's putting renewed emphasis on development during lockdown and doing what he can to position the business for a production restart as soon as possible. The biggest change has just been a new level of reliance on technology such as Slack. You know, we really don't obviously have the opportunity to just walk into each other's offices anymore. Um, But Slack has been great. And then just making sure that doing more daily calls or doing calls every other day with the various different teams. And we always at work did Pizza Friday in the office. So we've kept that going um, by doing virtual lunches and just getting some FaceTime with each other. And I think I think the biggest kind of fundamental change is just being more sensitive to the fact that everybody is balancing their work life and their personal life um, in a different way and understanding that that's all relative. I have one employee that has four kids. I have another employee that has four pets. You know, it's all there. Everybody's got a different level of responsibility. So I think that just as a business owner, being hyper aware to everybody's unique circumstances has been one of the biggest, one of the biggest kind of necessary awarenesses I've need to have in this unique situation. And I think making sure that other people also have that awareness of each other on the various teams has been really important as well. Were you in production on anything that you've had to put on hold? Yeah, we had a couple things going on. Um, we have some stuff in post. So that was that was easier having an incredible post team that was able to set people up remotely, which was which was fantastic. And then we have one project that was in pre-production and that one's been put on hold. But I feel like in production, we're constantly dealing with different circumstances um, one way or another pre-corona. And I kind of just look at it as like, okay, this is a very unique circumstance that no one has really been through. But at the same point, when you run a business, it's just it's just a series of overcoming different circumstances. You know, we're, we're very aggressive at developing shows. And I know that's, that's something we'll get to talk about, but I think it's just been a very good time for casting. So making sure that our development team is adequately resourced to be able to take advantage of uh, the fact that just so many people are, are at home and could actually use a good conversation with someone. 
and again, uh, is, is that development uh, of ideas that you you had anyway that you were working on, or is uh, have you have you changed um, what there, you're thinking of? There are some new ideas, of course, right? I mean, it's hard to there's no reason to avoid that, but at the same time, you know, we are our shows are always about either following real people doing extraordinary things or allowing people to retell their amazing stories of what they've always they've been through um we don't really do these bigger productions that have you know 100 people on set so for us what we're doing is we're looking at our slate and we're saying okay how can we make some basic adjustments to ensure um one the safety of everybody who works on the show talent crew etc and also making sure that uh, we have practices that can realistically be implemented into future projects. For example, I mean, some things are as simple as just no buffet, crafty catering lunches on set. Other things are a little more nuanced, but we're really also putting a lot of focus into how to make the kinds of shows that we make best, but also just making some changes as well. So you're not looking um, specifically at sort of quick turnaround, COVID themed programming, is it? A, li a little bit, but I would not say that that is a huge focus for us. Again, I think we do shows that already have, um, for the most part, a fairly low footprint. So we don't necessarily have to make the type of big wholesale adjustments that other companies might need to make in this circumstance. Does that change if this goes on for a prolonged period of time? I mean, three months might be fine, but if it goes on for six months, do you really have to start thinking about making shows on Zoom or whatever it is? I don't think so. The way I look at it is that I've purposely structured the company in a way where every show we do is the staff is curated specifically for that show. So what that means is that our basic overhead is uh, pretty small. So I look at it like the worst case scenario is we're just simply developing for longer. And I think one of the great things for me personally that's come out of this is I've just been able to be even more involved in development which is truly my passion and that's what my you know that's where i came from running development for left field or itv studios or working development at discovery channel um it's been great to even be even more involved in the in the development because i love it and is, is the purpose of that is, is the idea that you'll be able to hit the ground running with these really well developed ideas when when the restrictions lift is that is that the plan at the moment yeah i mean i, I would like to think that all of our shows we really develop so much to the point where that's the goal with any show in any any situation but i think from a production practicality standpoint it's really trying to think through the different scenarios that could go on with each show and making sure that they're still doable which for us thankfully um for the most part they are so all of your competitors are probably going to be doing the same thing lots of development during this and then when that that starting gun fires in whatever manner it does is everybody going to try and rush into production at once creating shortages here there and everywhere of freelance of studios I mean, is that is that a concern it's not a concern but i think it might be a reality where everybody's going to try to take advantage of the next production window i think luckily for us we have a big talent pool to pull from here in the States where people are somewhat specialized in different genres. You know, we are staying in close contact with various people that we were considering for different roles. Um, but yeah, I think it's definitely going to be a huge, huge rush to take advantage of the window, but I'm not really looking at it as a concern. I just think it's a reality of the situation. 
and then possibly another reality of the situation, the insurance of production, we're hearing insurance companies are, are going to be taking pandemic out of it. So if we have another shutdown further down the line, you're going to be on your own. Is that a concern about how you, you're going to get your productions insured and covered in the future? Yeah, I think we are in constant communication with our network partners about what is going on. I think it's important to remember that the networks are also dealing with, in this case, you know, similar challenges and try to get on the same page with them. It is a concern, but I think it's one where we're all going to have to work towards some kind of solution because we all need to keep creating content. Yeah, I guess that's maybe a burden that's going to have to be shared between the producer and the network. They're not always great at sharing burdens, but is, is, that, is that going to be the way it is? I, yeah, I don't know how it's going to pan out, honestly. I mean, I would hope um, as the networks being the financers and in our case in the States, the rights holders for the vast majority of shows that that's a responsibility that they're working towards figuring out how to um, cover. But at the same time, I understand that they're also getting this information in real time. And these are big responsibilities that they're going to have to take on. So I think those responsibilities and fairness to them do require conversations internally on their part and on their part to determine what they actually want to do. What sort of conversations have you been having with the, with the, the buyers and the commissioners? I mean, I mean, are you pitching during this? Or? No, I, I think for us, we've been incredibly proactive about showing the networks. The, these are our protocols that we are putting in place. These are the ones we've already put in place to work remotely. These are the ones that we want to put in place. We're consulting with different risk assessment companies to get their thoughts and see what they think. And just making sure that our network partners are aware that we're really thinking about this and taking it seriously and putting pen to paper on the different protocols, processes, even, even company philosophies as it pertains to working in a post-COVID environment and current COVID environment. Yeah. And post-COVID, I mean, how quickly or otherwise do you think you'll be able to, to say, film internationally again, or are you anticipating just US-based for the foreseeable? I think every show is going to be a case-by-case -case basis, and I think we're going to have to really take a good hard look at different localized restrictions. Also, you know, for any show we do abroad, we always know where the nearest hospital is, what the type of facilities would be available should something go wrong. I think those are just things we're just going to keep taking a a look at. The bottom line is like we're still going to be making content at some point and I think the idea is to do that as safely and as responsibly as possible but I can tell you just being in touch with different crews and various producers and people that I know who make their living being a part of content creation like they they want to they want to work and it's our job in hands with the network to make sure that we're able to put them in safe environments to do that. Rob Shaftel from Hit and Run that's all for this episode. Remember, if you'd like to share your story of coping with COVID-19 with the international TV industry, email us using the address press at c21media.net. There'll be more from the podcast tomorrow, but in the meantime, stay safe and stay up to date with all the latest developments by following C21 online on mobile and social media. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>